Hello everybody, my name is Thea and I'm the host of the Get Me Started podcast. Before we begin today's episode, I'd first like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, who are the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to any Indigenous persons listening today. Sovereignty was never ceded and this land always was and always will be traditional Aboriginal land. I'd encourage my listeners to do some research and learn more about the land on which they live, work and socialise on. Welcome back to season two of the Get Me Started podcast. Uh, This is the first solo episode of the season and I'm really excited to sit down today and record. I'm feeling very inspired um, and it's taken a little bit longer than I thought to get this episode to a recording point. Um, The start of this year, much in theme with the rest of this episode, has been a lot and I'm going to really unpack what that might mean in various different ways with all the responses that you gave to me right at the beginning of this year when I was uh, quite optimistic that I would be able to get this recorded before the March hit really. And in some ways, maybe this episode is a little bit late in the game. Um, The topic for today's episode is the year that was the year that is to come. And some of you might be thinking it's like maybe late March, early April by the time this is being released. What is the point of talking about the new year and resolutions and the year that's gone by when we're already, you know, a quarter of the way into 2021. Uh, But I think that that actually fits really well into the things that I wanted to talk about anyway, going into this podcast and my intentions behind the questionnaire that I put out. And it also ties in with a lot of what was said in the responses, because it's these ideas of time having to be quite uniform and constraining in the way that we engage with our goals and the way that we engage with fresh perspectives on what we're doing in our lives. So before we really get into today, I have to acknowledge the fact that I am actually a little bit sick. And so if I sound a little bit nasally or a little bit croaky, um, that'll be why. And there might be a few more edits in this episode because I will probably be coughing at some point and have to pause and restart. So apologies for that. And I know that there are going to be people listening to this who know me who are saying, Thea, you're sick. Why are you recording a podcast episode? But why I'm sick right now actually ties in so well with what I wanted to talk about today. And I was lying in bed yesterday feeling sorry for myself, having to miss out on some social events, you know, pity party for one, admit Thea. Um, And it just kind of came over me these links between so many of the points that have been floating around my head that have been in the notes in my phone around what this episode was going to be all about and around what all of the responses had given to me. So I guess, you know, this is the time to get into it. Let's talk about 2020 and let's talk about 2021. The first question on the questionnaire for this episode was on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your year in 2020? And the average answer was a 5.6 which was actually a little bit higher than I expected it to come out as. Um, We had over 10 responses in the upper range, like around the eight. And then there was about five or six responses in the lower range and the rest of them came in the mid zone. So something I did notice about all of the responses that came through was that there was at least one point of positive that came out in everyone's response. There was at least one thing or one sentence that like, even at the end of it all, even when someone had had a really awful year, there was an element of gratefulness for where they ended up at the end of the year. 
for example, somebody was reflecting on the fact that they felt that they lost all focus on where they wanted to be. But internally, I built myself up by focusing on what I could actually influence, exercising a lot, socializing online and studying to the best of my ability. This didn't unfortunately help that much because most of the factors were out of my control. But at the end of it all, this person still was doing the best they could to make the positives and the negatives. And that's something that really came through in pretty much everyone's responses to this question. There was a lot of uh, references to the fact that there was a lot of time for personal growth. Uh, People recognizing that they weren't doing enough with their time before COVID, that the past year was a year of change and adaption. And that although the lockdowns and the COVID responses negatively affected a lot of people across the country, people who were responding still felt grateful for the fact that their position was in relation to everyone else's a pretty good place to be. The idea as well that all of the trauma and stress just felt compounded is something really important that I think we can all resonate with in the idea that everything negative that happened last year that maybe would happen in a regular year anyway, it hit harder because your ability to reach out beyond your day-to-day life and do something a bit dramatic or do something different to shake yourself out of a funk or to address a problem that's come up in your personal life or your you know, education was a lot more difficult. We were very constrained, especially if you were in Melbourne like myself, you were stuck inside and your ability to access coping mechanisms was was very limited and it does compound those things and it does make it harder to process things because the ongoing battle against keeping your head above water just feels almost impossible when something else goes wrong. I like the idea though that most people really did feel that they saw a need for 2020 in a sense. Somebody said, I actually really needed 2020. I needed a break from events and going out. I needed to rest and chill. Others talked about the fact that in terms of romantic relationships, they turned a corner and felt more free in their time, felt better off being single, were happy to be alone because it made them recognize that they didn't need somebody else to feel fulfilled. And all of those lessons are super important, super positive lessons that we can carry with us going forward. I think we all recognize that last year was a lot. And I think at the time when I put this survey out, we were right at the beginning of 2021 and people were looking at 2021 as a bit of an answer to the problems, which I'm not sure about you guys, but I definitely feel that that hasn't been the case necessarily. I think there's still a lot of residual impacts that we're feeling now, especially in our emotional states. But at the same time, I think something I really recognized about 2020 in the way that some of my peers have had to deal with it is that for some people, 2020 may have been the first time that as an adult, as an independent person, you ever had to fully regulate your own emotions in a situation where you felt powerless and that you felt you weren't in control of your life or that you didn't have options. And I don't want to blow it out and talk about collective trauma and, you know, all those sorts of things, because I think there's a time and place for that kind of language, which doesn't necessarily fit within the more privileged elements of our society. And I know from my own social groups that that's maybe not the right language for what we went through. But at the same time, there is that essence of it where so many people have never had to really face up to themselves so dramatically as we did last year. And I think the people that I have in my life who I feel made the most 
of the year, despite everything, and who really flourished within that struggle are the ones that took the time to sit down with themselves and really feel it and really process what it meant to not be able to take control of every single element of your life in the same way that we feel we are able to in a more regular year. And for many people, that is the first time they've ever had to do that because they haven't experienced more dramatic life shifts before which have required them to give up their control or have forced them to give up their control in a situation where they maybe didn't want to or maybe didn't know what that sensation was to have to be powerless to some extent and to give in to what was going on around them in order to keep their head above water. And I think that everyone should be incredibly proud of themselves if they feel that they managed to grow as a person last year because I think that that's what it was. I think at the end of the day, if you were able to remain relatively okay through it all, you know, if you weren't drastically impacted in terms of, you know, your personal relationships, your housing, your family, you know, if you managed to kind of just plot along and get through it and yeah, it wasn't ideal, but you know, it wasn't the worst thing that's ever happened to you. There's probably still a real element of having to learn how to self-regulate and having to learn how to process your emotions in a different way. And I think that if that's something that people feel that they did achieve, it's really important to take a moment to recognize that because it is a turning point in the way that we are all going to be able to deal with things going forward. And I think it also clarified for me in some of my personal relationships who I feel more connected to or who I feel that I want to spend and invest more time in because people surprised me and demonstrated to me that they had the emotional capacity or their willingness at least to try and go further than where they were before in the way that they approach difficult situations. And that's a really powerful thing to have, particularly as young adults. Um, I think Melbourne going through two lockdowns, you know, of quite significant extents really, really pushed us to a whole other level. And I know that I was exhausted by the end of it, just from having to keep myself in check so that I maintained a certain level of mental health that wasn't detrimental, but it wasn't easy. And there's also nothing wrong with struggling through that time. And I think that people, more people than ever had to acknowledge the impacts that being out of routine and feeling trapped has on your mental state and hopefully in a way will make people more empathetic towards those who struggle with mental illness more long term because I think it clarified for a lot of people that it can be really difficult to keep a positive mindset when a lot of things are telling you that that shouldn't be the case but I digress um I think the next thing to think about then is what did people think about for the year to come? And the rating for this one was a lot higher. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your outlook for 2021? And the average answer was a 7.8. So a lot more people feeling positive, a lot more people taking on that real, like, let's go next steps kind of mindset. Some of the responses that came through was, were uh, someone who rated themselves a nine, COVID gave me a lot of time to think about what I really want in life and to stop being scared to follow that. I feel great about this year. My life is definitely very different to what it could have been had the pandemic never happened. Someone who rated themselves a six, an important reminder that while we might have lofty goals for this year, to go easy on ourselves and make time for non-grind time, 
because it's far too easy to fall into a constant grind when there's nothing stopping you from grinding 24-7. I think that's a super important reminder because I definitely spoke a lot to friends about feeling like 2020 helped me find my median uh, in the sense that it helped me realize what my natural and regular sort of changes in emotion and week to week wants and needs were in terms of exercise and eating and taking care of myself in different ways. But it also helped me to rationalize better what a normal change in my emotional state was over a month, say. And I know that this was happening in the context of a pandemic, but when you're in Melbourne, we spent most of the year locked down. So there was a point of regulation where it came to be like, okay, this is actually what it feels like on a week to week basis. Um, because so many of your outward stimulation, so many of your outward influences were stripped back, even though you were working and even though you might be seeing friends in the sense of zooming or catching up for somebody with a walk when we were allowed to, you had a lot more steady state, a lot more constants in your day to day. And it really enabled you to tune into yourself. And I do feel that coming into 2021, I know that I have lost some of that because I think I also forgot at the same time what it was like to not be in lockdown. And you forget how many hours are really in a day once you add back in, you know, actual travel time and actually, you know, those casual catch ups with people when you run into someone at uni or you run into someone, you know, in the city and you just decide to go grab a coffee and how much time that actually takes out of your day and your week when during last year, so much of that time was able to be given to rest was able to be given to personal projects and things that you wanted to do for yourself, even just simple things like cooking meals because, you know, you weren't going out for dinner. So there wasn't a three, four hour dinner with friends that turned into a couple extra drinks at the bar, which turned into a hangover on Saturday morning. It's just cooking dinner at home on a Friday night, which makes it a lot easier to take a step back and recognize that, oh, it's actually really nice to wake up every weekend not having been out or not having drunk alcohol. And to choose that for yourself came with a lot less pressure and came with a lot less actual decisions. It just kind of happened. So I think the idea that remembering that we don't have to grind 24 seven is important because being back out in the world and being able to re-engage with everything that we used to do makes it feel like you have to re-engage with all of those things and you have to make the most of it because we missed out on so much, but maybe there was a lot that we actually did gain from having to stop. Uh, I think that somebody put it rather well in that they're going to take it easy this year, but rather than feeling like I'm trying to tread water whilst also trying to dodge pool toys being thrown at my head. And I think that that's a very apt metaphor because this year isn't necessarily easier in every way than last year was, depending on where you're at with your life. You know, there's a lot of struggles, there's a lot of challenges going on as everyone always has. But there is something taken off the burner in the sense that there's that one less layer of intense pressure that came with 2020. People also talked about the fact that this year in 2021, they want to go with the flow. They want to hope things stay under control, but not get too excited because they don't want to have their expectations uh, not met and being more flexible with plans and feeling more equipped to deal with disappointment. Uh with themes that came through in a few responses. I also think the idea that people feel that they are at the crux of a big transitional period is probably true for more people than usual in a year. 
last year definitely took away a lot of opportunities for people who maybe, you know, were going to go travel or start new jobs or move out of home or anything that like changes your life dramatically. And instead we're going to have a compounded effect of more people doing that this year because you've got the backlog essentially of people who wanted to do it last year and couldn't and people who had always planned to do those things this year and now can. So I think this year is going to be very interesting. And from watching people around me, I do feel like most people I know have changed in some way and it can be hard to recognize at times because I think I myself as an individual have also changed. So recognizing change in others when it's in line with your own change feels a bit funny, but I definitely think that there's, you know, a reintroduction to the world for all of us. And some people have really taken that on to shift themselves and their mindsets, which is super interesting to notice if you take the time to think about some of your friends or your personal relationships a year ago versus how they behave now and just notice those slight differences and the impacts that the year that we all went through had on us. The next question that we had was, how do you feel about the idea of a new normal? And this is why I was saying that I think recording this episode in mid-March isn't such a bad thing because the whole new normal concept, like, I think we're seeing that play out in very different ways than maybe we imagined. Uh, Something I wanted to pose to everybody, because I thought about this yesterday and it really made me think, is we went into lockdown basically a year ago to now. And, you know, that means we had gotten almost three months of the year out of the way. And we've now done the same for 2021. Do we feel on track and as accomplished as we did this time last year before lockdown in 2021? Because we've had the same amount of like non-COVID time at the beginning of 2020 as we have now had of the year 2021. And I'm curious to know whether our expectations of ourselves have increased or decreased because of everything that's going on around us. I think there's this really weird push and pull at the moment where we feel that we need to be doing the most because we missed out on so much last year, but then we also are still dealing with the pandemic. Like it's not gone. You know, healthcare workers in particular are still very much dealing with the pandemic. And although in Australia and in Melbourne right now, in Melbourne, there's no cases. And in Australia, I know Brisbane's recently had an outbreak, but relative to where things were, you know, a month or two ago, everything's quite good and quite neutral. Uh, But is the sense of accomplishment there? Did we feel accomplished at this time last year before we went into lockdown or were we still gearing up for the year and right at that precip of, you know, starting to tackle all our goals and do everything that we want to do? Was that taken away from us? Is that part of why it was so difficult to adjust to lockdown? Um, But I do think it's interesting to think about in the sense that if we reflect back on the first three months of 2020, how did they feel in comparison to the first three months of 2021 in everything? Um, I just think that's an interesting question to think about. So on this idea of the new normal, I don't even know what the new normal was supposed to be when I asked this question, because I think as many people pointed out, normal is relative. Normal is like what even was normal was, was, is normal a connotation of good? Cause normal is not good necessarily. I don't think what we had pre COVID was good. I think there are things that were bad and there were things that were good and now the same. Uh, 
I guess the idea of the new normal in the sense of, you know, scanning QR codes and wearing masks and being alert to health and well-being has shifted and that's a new normal. But what does that actually mean? What does it feel like? And someone put this really well, and I think it maybe will resonate with a lot of people, is that I constantly feel like something is wrong, something is missing, something is weighing in the back of my mind, but I don't know what. I think at its core, while we have freedoms again, it's so hard to plan things and feel secure. You can't look forward to anything in case it gets disrupted. We crave certainty to feel secure, and we can't get that in the new normal. And I think that really hit me as well because I fully resonate with that, fully get that. Like even a week or two out, you're still like, oh, you know, I'm planning to do this or I'm hoping to do that. Whereas before it was, I'm doing X and I'm doing Y. And we just all kind of accept now that stuff's going to change very quickly and you're just going to have to deal with it because that's the nature of it. I thought that was interesting though in comparison for the fact that a lot of other people were speaking about the new normal as being that in the sense that that is the new normal, whereas others were still talking about the new normal as being beyond this stage of uncertainty, as being we're still striving towards it because the pandemic isn't dealt with yet, because we're not all vaccinated yet, that there's something more to come, which will be a new normal. And at the end of it all, someone articulated this idea very well in the sense that the term new normal itself makes me feel sad because I know that normal doesn't exist and that as humans, we adapt every day and therefore the new normal is every single day. So this definitive notion of there being a new normal that we are going to reach, it doesn't make sense. And I do agree. I think that there's benefit to trying to put milestones on things and trying to put, you know, parameters on stuff so that we can shift our mindset more wholly and really feel like we're getting somewhere. A sense of optimism, perhaps, that helps us to move beyond our current state of mind. But at the same time, it's not an end goal. Because if it was an end goal, then we would be done with everything. And I don't think that that's true. And I also don't think that we're ever going to fully be done with COVID. I think it has shifted the world. And that's going to just be something that impacts the next, you know, 100 new normals, whether that be 100 new days or 100 new years, because of the way in which we as a society have had to change and reflect on our behaviours before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and now seeing what those add up to as the pandemic hopefully fades away. So this takes us into now the sort of crux of this episode, Um, talking about New Year's resolutions, manifestation, intention setting, all of these kinds of concepts and ideas about planning out what you want to achieve and whether or not they actually work, whether they're effective, what they actually mean as well as concepts. Uh, I personally think that January is a terrible time for setting new goals. I, Although I like New Year's resolutions as a concept and I do always think about what I want to achieve in the new year, for me, particularly whilst I'm still at university, January isn't the end of summer. I've still got two months to go at least where... I'm not going to be working out five days a week and not drinking alcohol and, you know, working on myself in a really meaningful, impactful way because it's just not going to fit in with what I have planned with my time and with my social life. So I personally believe that for myself, setting those kinds of goals in January in the idea that they're supposed to go for a whole year or be really 
you know, hit the ground running straight away is just kind of shooting myself in the foot because I know what January looks like for me usually. And it's not peak productivity and health and wellness. Uh, So this is the idea then as well, that the idea of New Year's resolutions comes back to the fact that you have to be conscious of how you conceptualize time and what that time means to you when you achieve goals. If you're setting goals simply because everyone else is setting goals, I don't think you're ever going to achieve that goal. You have to want to achieve a goal rather than performatively put it out into the universe that that's a goal that you have. I think the media, obviously, we know, loves the new year for news resolutions, good, bad, this, that, you know, fitness goals, drink more water, here's all the healthy eating challenges, you know, etc., etc. And it's very easy to get, not necessarily sucked into that in the sense, but it's, you know, people talk about it, people ask you about it, people are doing it themselves and you watch them and you're like, oh, well, I might as well think of something. But often we do think of things that we would actually like to achieve for ourselves. But when we place them in the context of the conversation of, oh, New Year's resolutions, oh, yeah, I've, I've got a New Year's resolution. Um, I'm going to work out four days a week. You might actually want to work out four days a week, but by making it a New Year's resolution when you don't actually have the mental energy and time in your life to even begin to implement it, you are setting yourself up for disappointment in yourself because in the moment which you say that you have that goal, you might know that you're not strictly setting it. But a couple of months later, when you think about the fact that that's what you told everyone you were going to do and you haven't, it's very easy to be very hard on yourself about why that has happened. And I think we all know this feeling. This is not, this is not revolutionary concepts for me. I think we're all aware that that sensation of feeling like you've let yourself down or that you haven't done what you wanted to do or what you told other people you're going to do can feel really detrimental to your overall well-being and also to your potential to actually achieve that goal in future because you already feel like you've failed at it once. So what I actually enjoy for myself is I generally feel more invigorated and more likely to set new goals and intentions for my life and for my year around my birthday which is in March and this might be true for everyone at every stage of the year I'm not sure but for myself I feel like March is a really positive time to create new outlooks on life because I've kind of settled into the year a little bit I'm past summer and things are a bit more in routine I'm usually working more I'm back at uni and I know that, you know, if I wasn't at uni and I was working full time, I'd be very much in the in the routine again of the nine to five. And for myself and for the things that I enjoy paying attention to, I'm also a Pisces, which is a, one of the which is the first astrological sign. And so it is actually the start of a new astrological new year um, in line with horoscopes. So you don't have to take that for what it is. I know some of you are going to be like, that's woo woo shit there. What are you talking about? But for myself, those little alignments mean something to me and they help to fuel my desire to address things in my life that aren't making me happy or to focus on things that I really want to get out of the next year. Because being a year older and being that much more settled into the new year and really feeling like 2021 is happening 
helps me to figure out what I actually want for myself. Um, especially because all the things that I'm doing in that year have come into play by then in the sense that subjects that I'm doing or work commitments that I'm taking on have begun and I'm more aware of the rhythm of my days and more aware of the flow of what's happening around me, which makes it a lot easier to make realistic expectations for myself because they align with the other obligations that I have that are going on. So this gets me to the whole point as to why me being sick right now (laughs) and wanting to record a podcast episode about taking care of yourself and new year's resolutions and bettering your life is really important. When we talk about new year's resolutions and when we talk about goals and we talk about manifestation, we talk about intention setting. Do you think about these things as a reactive process to your life or as a proactive process to your life? Because I know for myself that a large chunk of the time, these things are reactive you come out of the Christmas period and the New Year period and you feel sluggish, you feel tired, you feel like you've been drinking too much, uh, you don't feel like you're getting enough sleep and the goal you set for yourself is I want to work out four days a week because I want to feel better and I want to, you know, get in shape again and I want to feel good in my body. But why are we not going into those periods thinking I'm going to take care of myself more? I'm going to do things that fill me up and make me feel good. I'm going to take a day off when I need to from socializing. And I'm going to make sure that when I'm at home, I'm nourishing myself with good foods because that's what I know will make me feel better. If we're making goals about, you know, being a better person or giving more to charity or, you know, engaging more in our like social circles in a positive way. So often those impetus come from a lack of something in our day-to-day life, a lack of emotion or a lack of connection. And so our solution to that is to set a goal which fixes that lack and is a reactive process to what is going on around us. And this is why last night I sat up in bed and started setting my intentions for the year because I hadn't done it yet. I hadn't thought about what I actually wanted to achieve directly for myself. And part of this was because I got sick because I burnt out essentially and it's mid-March and I've still got another nine months of the year to go and part of the reason that this has happened is because I was trying to do everything and not recognizing what it was I actually wanted to do the most and what I was most committed to and figuring out what that core commitment is for this year what that core point of contact what that core reasoning is behind everything that I'm doing had prevented me from actually getting any closer to it because I was scattering myself across so many things and feeling like I couldn't say no to socializing because maybe it's I want to build my relationships the most this year but I couldn't say no to working out because maybe it's I want to be really fit and healthy this year and I couldn't say no to working more and I couldn't say no to taking on more subjects and I couldn't say no to different obligations because I hadn't worked out what is my priority what out of these things do I want to focus the most on because we can't do everything You can do a bit of everything, but you can't do everything 100%. And if you do, typically you spread yourself too thinly and something's going to fall through the cracks eventually. And for me, that wake up call was waking up on Thursday afternoon. Sorry, getting home from work on Thursday afternoon and feeling like I'd been hit by a ton of bricks and absolutely just falling into a sickness hole these last few days where I've been coughing up a lung And it's not COVID, don't worry. There's a respiratory infection going around Melbourne. We love that. 
but it just really did emphasize to me all the things that I wanted to talk about and all the things that I believe in around intention setting and goals I wasn't practicing and I was being reactive to my situation because it took me getting sick for me to say okay I need to figure out what I'm trying to actually do with my year but I did know this all along and I could have been a lot more proactive going into this semester and going into this year and not have to now be struggling to catch up on some really important aspects of my life like my uni work which I've neglected because I was trying too hard to do things which pleased other people rather than fulfilling myself. So when we talked about New Year's resolutions, I asked in the poll, do you create New Year's resolutions? Why or why not? People talked about the idea that they love the feeling of a fresh start and motivation to do better than the year before. Um, Other people spoke about the fact that they don't set New Year's resolutions. They actually set themes for their life that they want to follow and this gave them a broader idea and general focus to their life rather than being like very material, very like specific targeted things that they wanted to achieve more that they wanted to encapture a sense of something within their life in everything that they did. And that helped to make them make better choices about where they were going. It also prevented them from setting unattainable goals that they then beat themselves up for not achieving in time. Some people also spoke about the fact that this year in particular, they're trying not to be too ambitious or trying to set things that are too beyond themselves and more focusing on their, their personal growth and their personal sense of self. Um, because of the fact that last year really demonstrated how quickly things can get stripped away. And one of the only things you can reliably make goals about is your own personal internal life, because that is your own and it can't be really, taken away from you it can just be impacted by what's happening around you someone pointed out as I just spoke about the fact that January is a period in life that is very out of sync with the rest of the year um, and it doesn't really make sense to be making goals at that time because it's too difficult to regulate our day-to-day routine when we're still on break and we're still in the summer People did definitely touch on the idea that time is an illusion. The idea that the new year is a fresh start is a bit deluded, somebody said. Uh, They wish it was a hard reset, but unfortunately the same systemic issues that existed on December 31st still exist on January 1st, which is completely true. And I think it goes to that point of, you know, you have to make these kinds of changes and goals for yourself rather than trying to make them in line with what everyone else is doing or what you think you ought to be doing because of how everyone else is doing it. So I want to talk a little bit about manifestation techniques and intention setting in line with New Year's resolutions, because I feel like a lot of people who dislike one of them probably dislike or don't engage with all of them. And I think that that's very valid as well. It's not for everyone. Um, I know that I have my own, you know, if you can choose the elements that I like or think are helpful from those kinds of ideas rather than actually just being like full throttle all about it. Uh When I asked, do you practice manifestation techniques or intention setting? Why or why not? Uh, Most people actually were interested in them to an an extent or acknowledged that what they do in their own life, although mightn't be called manifestation or intentions, were in line with the same kind of practices and uh, I guess ideologies, if that's the right term here, for what they're supposed to achieve in your life. Um... Someone pointed out, is this just goal setting? And yeah, 
that's kind of the end point of the conversation. It's just another way of setting goals. But I think the language around manifestation techniques and intention setting has become a lot more normal in the last year or two in my understanding on social media. I've seen a lot more of the people that I follow or that I go and snoop up on every few months engaging with this kind of language. And there's, you know, there's journals now and there's, um, you know, courses you can take and people are really, really into it and spent ages, you know, YouTube videos and everything from quite different facets of society than maybe 10 years ago who spoke about these kinds of techniques. Some people just point blank were like, it's not going to work. That's not how things happen. It's all a bit woo woo. I don't do it. I'm an introspective, organized goal setter type, which I kind of thought was funny because at the same time, that's what this is if you'd want to take it that way, at least. Um, Other people were just sort of like, yeah, it's great. It doesn't matter how it's executed. If that's what works for you, that's what works for you. And others were saying that they feel that they can just do what they want to do and writing things down doesn't achieve anything. On the other end of the spectrum, then we have people who were like, yes, everything I manifest comes to fruition. It's how I live my life. It's how I plan everything. And that's what I engage with the most. The idea of magic came out in a few responses. Uh, Whether or not you believe in the magic is not the point. It simply gets you clear on what you want to work towards. And someone else, I guess, in the same way, but on the flip side said the reason it works is not because of magic, but because you've articulated your intention and said it so many times that it's a constant thought in your head subconsciously, which will impact your daily decisions in favor of reaching that goal. And I think that that is really the crux of it. I remember in school, in primary school and in high school, being told that the way to achieve a goal was that, you know, you have to set realistic timeframes and it needs to be something that you can actually achieve in your life. But one of the most important things that was constantly told to us is you need to write it down. And that I think is what has come through with ideas of manifestation and intention setting. And that's a really big crux of that kind of culture is about actually physically articulating your goals on a piece of paper in some physical form so that you can't compromise away from it mentally. And this is super, super important. And it goes back to what I was saying before about trying to do everything at once rather than trying to actually achieve what you want out of everything that you are doing. The idea that we live in a really chaotic world. We live in a world where we have constant stimulus. We have constant changing expectations. We have constant new plans and new ideas being presented to us and being demonstrated to us through the people that we interact with, through our own personal lives. And I think that this year for me has really reaffirmed the fact that all of these new things, all of these stimulus that happen play a really big part in dictating how you spend your days because last year we stripped those back and we had a lot less external stimulus on a day-to-day basis. It was kind of just this ever present stimulus of the pandemic affecting what we were doing. Whereas this year, you know, you have stuff coming from every single angle and it becomes really, really difficult to remain hundred percent clear and focused on what you're trying to achieve out of each day and each week, unless you have that conversation with yourself and tell yourself what it is that you're trying to get out of it. So just to clarify as well, what we're talking about with manifestation and intention setting for people who maybe aren't well-versed in this space, 
manifestation techniques focus on like visualization and, you know, believing that you already have achieved the thing or have the thing or have been able to find that end goal or reach that point and ruminating on that sensation, picturing what that would feel like, what that would smell like, what that would look like for you, what that would change in your day-to-day life and really, you know, putting that down on paper and being really, really clear about what it is you're trying to get out of the experience or the goal that you're putting forward for yourself. Intention setting is very similar to goal setting, I guess, in a way, but it's more about the nuanced elements of what you're trying to get to at the end result. Um, It's about how you're going to get there in the sense of how you're going to change your life and how you're going to make small shifts and small intentions in your day-to-day, which will eventually help you to achieve a larger goal or to get to a bigger point. And it's about waking up every morning and setting your intentions for the day. So saying, you know, I am going to be X today or I'm going to achieve Y and then going about your day in such a way that aligns with that intention. So yes, case in point, it's just a different way of setting goals and it's a culture that is developed online which not always in the healthiest way I definitely think that there are spaces in which these kinds of techniques and learnings have become twisted and warped to almost say that oh just manifest and um it'll it'll happen full stop case in point which I know that there's an element of like that is kind of the point but there's also an element of in a very corny way your dreams don't work unless you do if you want to manifest all day, but you're going to lie in bed for 12 hours a day, seven days a week, I really don't think you're going to achieve your goals. And I think we all know that on a rational level, but there are some spaces on the internet where it seems to be the idea that those things will just happen regardless of what you actually put into action. And it's just mental. I think the most productive way to engage with these kinds of thinking is to take it as a tandem approach between the mental and the physical elements and what you actually have to do for yourself to achieve the things that you are trying to manifest or intend to do. But at, as I said, really within all of this, it is just goal setting just with different language and just with different formulations and different practices that are supposed to lead to the ultimate end point, which is achieving what you want. So why do I think that this is important? Why do I think that we should be all doing some form of this? It goes back to that idea of being in a chaotic world, but it's it's also reminding yourself that particularly for a lot of people that I'm sure that are listening to this, almost everything we do is a choice. And I don't believe that we always have choices in life. I don't think that it's as easy to say that, oh, just quit your job. And that's a choice and you're choosing to work on a job you hate. You should, you, know, you should just leave and it'll be fine because that comes with a lot of privilege. You have to take care of yourself financially. You have to take care of yourself mentally and emotionally. And that can restrict the choices that you do make. But on a more normal day-to-day level, there is a lot of choice in what we do. And often some of the things which are of a great privilege to us, we begin to treat as obligatory and as negative in our life when realistically they're actually super positive things that are going to help us get to an end point for myself at the moment I'm really having to reframe the narrative that I have in my head about my university work I feel incredibly blessed to be at the university that I am at and to be doing the degree that I am doing but I struggle to prioritize it over the other things that I do in my life because I get a lot more fulfillment and a lot more serotonin if you will 
from everything else that I do that's not my uni work. I don't perform the way I want to academically, but I also know that part of that is because I don't commit as much time as I should be to those things. And it ties into the idea that I view it as this grind. I view it as something that I am forced to do, but I could take six months off. I could drop my subject load. I could not do this degree if I don't think it's going to get me where I want to go. But when I think about my, you know, three, four, five year goals, this degree is essential to achieving what I want to achieve. It's the crux of it. It's why I started it in the first place is to be able to get to this other end point. And the things that I've been able to do alongside it, the things that distract me from that focus are only there in my life because I'm doing this degree. It has enabled me all of the other experiences and all of the other projects that I work on. And yet at the same time, I view it so negatively and I talk about it to myself so negatively and that doesn't get me anywhere. It doesn't help me at all. And so I think that this is why things like manifestation can be really, really useful because it helps to put into perspective the difficult things that we have to do and the harder tasks that we're going through in that it clarifies why you're still there and what you're going to be able to get out of it in the long term if you persevere and really commit to the good and the bad. I know that we're all creatures of satisfaction, but if you remember why you're doing something in perspective, in the big picture, and you treat that activity as an element of your manifestation, and you see it as a privilege and a benefit to your life, it becomes a lot easier to knuckle down and to stop complaining and to talk about it in language which is more positive, which will inevitably impact the way you perceive it and probably enhance the way in which you engage with that activity. Now, this could be anything. This could be, you know, even if you're trying to overcome a certain level of social anxiety, you might feel like that spontaneous coffee date with a friend is the worst thing that could possibly happen to your day and you will speak about it to yourself as such. But if you reframe that as if I can go on this coffee date because I have a friend who wants to see me and I have the choice to go and spend $5 on a coffee, I'm going to be able to get somewhat closer to overcoming my greater anxieties about these kinds of situations. And that is something that I should really be grateful for. I'm not saying toxic positivity has a place here. I'm not saying everything has to be a good thing. But I think in the context of things which we often speak negatively about, but we know deep down we're very lucky to be able to be doing or that we know are things that others would kill to be able to do. It's really important to reframe that internal narrative about where that gets you. And it doesn't have to be that doing that one action or doing that one goal will achieve the end, but making sure that you recognize what it is you're going after and then thinking about the things in your life as either contributing, neutral or negating from that end goal can really change the way in which you engage with your day to day. Now, I'm not going to tell you all to start renaming your to do lists as I as your I get to lists, as I've seen on some platforms where instead of saying to do exercise, it's like I get to exercise, I get to take out the bins. We're not going to do that. That's a bit too far for me. But I think what I'm trying to get at is that managing your natural cycles of emotion, managing your natural expectations of the things that you do in your life and reframing that narrative only comes when you actually really intentionally try to do it. Because 
we're creatures of habit. We're creatures of routine. And if every single week you complain about the class that you're going to, in six weeks, you're not going to actually be actively complaining about it. But the words coming out of your mouth and the language that you're using to talk about that action and activity are going to be negative because that is what you've told yourself is the appropriate language to use in that scenario and is the appropriate way to think about whatever it is that you are doing. And I just think that there's so much to be gained from taking a step back, reframing your long-term perspective on everything. And in that, taking a critical look at the way in which you contribute to your own experiences in your day-to-day life and what you are doing. And if you are truly unhappy in something, if it is truly a negative thing for you to be engaging with, and it is something that you have the autonomy to change or put in motion actions which would make it less negative, then you have a personal responsibility to do that for yourself. Because there is a limit as well on how much negativity those around you can take on. And this is something that, you know, there's always space in good friendships for positive and negative emotions. But there should also be space to recognise that complaining about the same thing week in and week out and not taking any action to alter what that behaviour is, alter what that activity is, or recognise that you're even speaking about it so negatively all the time, can be really harmful not just to yourself but to those around you. Because you become a stimulus for them and you become an influence on them and their perspective on their own internal dialogue. And when you spend a lot of time with somebody, that spreads and that festers. And I think that there's a sense of personal responsibility for yourself, but then a sense of responsibility for those that you are around to take advantage of the things which you can change and think long and hard about where you want to be because doing so makes everything make so much more sense. It makes more sense why you do the things maybe you don't want to do in the moment, but because they're going to get you where you want to be in the future. And it's about being grateful for where you're at And yeah, manifestation is a way in which to embody that and go through that process and understand what it is you're looking for. Because if you say you want a new job and you just think by default that that means because you want more money and you want new co-workers, but you sit down and you actually manifest what that would look like for you, maybe it's actually that you want to be working in a very, very different area. Maybe it's that you want to change the time of day in which you work. Maybe you'd prefer to be working at nights or on the weekends because of the other elements of your life. And getting clear on the specifics helps you to more closely align your day-to-day actions with your long-term self, ultimately, ideally, creating a more holistic life, creating a life that is a lot happier And a lot more fulfilled. So I think this comes back to as well the idea of cycles in our life. Um, Me right now, I'm sitting at a low point in my cycle. I'm sitting at a burnout point, which I shouldn't have come to. I should have um, prevented this through my actions and through my behaviours. Because although I might have still gotten sick, I know that I contributed to me getting sick because I was not sleeping enough. I was drinking too much and going out too much on the weekends when I needed to give myself a bit more rest and a bit more space. And it's frustrating then to be at this low point and know that I was aware of the fact that I was pushing myself to this point before it happened. I think that really having conversations with yourself where you are realistic and you're honest about what your goals are independent of any other external influence 
in so much as you can be is super important and it's a really important practice to develop, particularly in your 20s. I am so conscious of how precious time is and how much we can achieve because last year showed me that there are people in my life who achieved an extreme amount whilst in lockdown and it wasn't financial and it wasn't um, materialistic. They grew as a person. They learned who their friends were. They challenged themselves. They put themselves out of their comfort zone and they took on new opportunities and they did it all from the confines of their bedroom. And if people can do that much and achieve that much locked down, what are we able to achieve when we're not in lockdown? And being around those kinds of people lifted me up and made me feel more determined and helped me to commit to goals that, you know, six months before even I wouldn't have considered because I felt that they weren't attainable, they were out of my reach. And these cycles of self-worth in the sense that committing to your goals, focusing on them, setting intentions and setting clear positions where you want to end up eventually, going through maybe a moment of doubt or uncertainty in that, continuing to persevere and then, you know, getting closer to that goal and realigning whatever it is that you're trying to work towards when you have the time to reflect again helps to keep us moving forward and helps us to remain conscious in a world which so often wants us to just act like a robot and go through the motions every day and get lost in your routine without even ever thinking about, does this fulfill me? Does this get me where I want to go? And I'm, I can't speak to what it is like to be older, obviously, but I do think that, you know, in your early 20s, it is a time in which you have maybe the most autonomy that you will ever have to choose your life because you get to choose so much of what you do free from dependence, free from debt for most people, free from a mortgage. If you're not at that stage of buying a house yet, you know, if you're on the precipice of graduating university and entering full-time work, like, yes, there is constraints. Yes, it is not that easy to just say, make whatever choice you want and do it. But I think we all know that we have more autonomy than we give ourselves credit for. And too often we fall back on the ideas that, oh yeah, but I have to do X and Y and Z. And it's like, no, you don't. If you know what fulfills you and it is within your means to pursue that or something close to that, do it. Because in 10 years, it's going to be a lot harder potentially to do that depending on where your life goes. You know, if you get into a long-term community relationship, if you have children or get pets or buy a house or, you know, sign a longer contract or engage with a job that requires you to be there for a certain number of years, you do lose the ability to shift as quickly as you might be able to in your 20s. And learning to reflect and learning to have those conversations with yourself and those conversations with your friends and encourage your friends to, you know, take time out for themselves to really think about where they want to be in life is a really important skill. And I think it, it, it could help to avoid maybe a lot of negative headspaces that we kind of generically hear about happening in your like late forties and fifties, because People haven't always taken the time to get to know themselves and their goals really well and to actually know what fulfills them and what makes them want to get out of bed every morning. And so the younger you do that, the younger you hone those skills, and the younger you 
engage with those kinds of practices of really listening to yourself and figuring out why it is that one thing makes you happy and one thing takes away from your happiness is super valuable. I just think it's such an important skill set to develop and grow. So yes, I have given you an somewhat inspirational maybe, or just you've heard it all before and you're telling me to shut up at this point. But I think the crux of everything that I'm trying to say today is that no matter how you do it, sit down and have a conversation with yourself. Think about what it feels like to be where you want to be. And then think about what it is in your life that pushes you closer to that and which takes you away. And then in the day-to-day moments, prioritize that endpoint. Not in every moment. And you don't always have to be moving forward. You don't always have to be striving for the next thing and like pushing and pushing and pushing to get a goal. It doesn't have to be this like hustle and this grind, but find what it is that you are trying to achieve and use that to center yourself in moments of uncertainty or in moments where you don't know what to do or you don't know which option to take, do the one that takes you closer to that end goal. Because at the end of the day, even if you don't get there when you want to get there, Or even if you decide to change your mind and your goal changes, you can know that the decisions that you made and the things that you did in those moments were true to the things that you wanted in those moments, rather than being what someone else wanted of you or from you, and rather than being what you thought others expected of you. You can just know that at the end of the day, you did it for yourself And that's good. That's positive. That's enough. That's how you can find contentment in your life and the things that you do. And I think that, you know, the new year might be at a different point for everybody. You might start setting New Year's resolutions in June because for you, that makes sense. It's when you feel the most in flow. It's when you feel like you have the most perspective on the year to come. It's what fits in with your work schedule, your uni schedule, your social life. But I think finding time, even if it's every fortnight, if you're somebody who doesn't like long-term perspectives, if you think time is all relative and you just want to go with the vibe of it, do that, but do it. Stop saying that you don't need to think about your future or that you don't need to think about who you are as a person because one day you're going to sit back and wish that you had. You get to change so much of yourself and we live in a country and For a lot of the people that I know that listen to this, we live with immense privilege. And that's a really, really awesome thing. We talk about privilege often as like this dirty word, but guess what? If you've got it and you're not making the most of it in a positive way, in a way that doesn't detriment those around you, I mean, then, you know, take it on. If you have the financial means to, you know, do something a little bit riskier with your career or your education, And that's something that you really feel passionate about and that you feel is going to help you get somewhere new in your life, then do it. Because there's going to come a time when it's not that easy. And I just want to see everybody that, you know, I surround myself with and that I engage with in the world, learning about themselves first and foremost, and being committed to positive change in their life to get wherever it is that they want to go. Because that creates just such a better well to live in. I think if everyone is striving for positive self-fulfillment and it doesn't matter how you do it, 
if you want to manifest and create vision boards like I do, I love a good vision board and I find that they help. I find that it helps me get clear. It's something that I look at at my desk and it aligns my perspective. Or you might be somebody who just does gratitude and that's enough because being grateful for the things around you helps you to understand what it is that you enjoy in your life. Or maybe you're a classic 1st of January New Year's resolution person. They're all valid. It's all just different ways of going about getting clear on what you want and allowing yourself the space to change and adapt dependent on what happens to you over the time in which you've set that goal. If 2020 taught us one thing is that although everything can get derailed, you can still shift your perspective and you can shift what you're trying to achieve out of a space in time and still get something positive out of it, even if it wasn't the thing you expected in the first instance. Getting sick, burnout, crashing, feeling negative about every aspect of your life and depleted by everything that you were doing, I believe are all symptoms of not being clear on where you're trying to go because you're no longer making decisions for yourself. You're making decisions based on what it is is right in front of you. Taking care of yourself is a lot easier when you have a goal that you're working towards because then taking care of yourself becomes a part of reaching towards that goal rather than a secondary activity to choosing between A and B option on a night. The more you know yourself, the more you have these conversations and the more you, I guess, invest time in those around you and what their goals and intentions are. I just think that there's so much positive to be gained and there's so much great greatness that can be achieved by taking the time out to do these kinds of activities. And if you think it's all woo-woo and you just want to do what you want to do and get where you want to go, you do you. You know what's right for you. You know what feels good. You know what makes you feel fulfilled. But if you've never tried it before, if you've never tried to sit down and write out your intentions or imagined what your life would be like in 10 years in an ideal world, I'd recommend you give it a go. Sit down with a piece of paper and write out the perfect day for yourself in five years. Where do you wake up? What do you eat? Where are you working? Who do you socialize with? What kind of exercise are you doing? What clothes are you wearing? What's your plan for that weekend? Write it out. Think about your ideal version of yourself and what they would do in a day and then consider what your life currently looks like and if you actually think that you're going to be able to get there doing what you do on a regular basis. And most importantly, do not beat yourself up if you are not doing things that you think will get you towards your goal right now. If you're setting a goal, that's the whole point. If you're beginning to manifest, if you're taking on the idea of intentions, the whole point is to start from where you are and take steps to where you want to be. There is nothing wrong with where you are right now. It's about getting clear on the end point. And that is going to help to shift your perspective on life so much. So before I go today, I did just want to finish up with a couple of things that everyone learnt in 2020 that you'll carry forward. Someone said that they're a people pleaser and it was a hard lesson during 2020 to realise that not everyone in my life would do for me or help me the same way that I would them. Someone else spoke about not stopping themselves from leaning into sadness and feeling the full spectrum of emotion. Another said that perspective is important 
Doing perspective naturally renders you more grateful for the things that you have. Another said, make a home for yourself. Sometimes that's all you have. And finally, somebody said that sometimes shit happens and it's not your fault. Self-blame is not the answer in these situations. I think the thing that I learned in 2020 is that I am always enough. Even when the world and situations are telling you that you are not. Because you are you and that's it, case in point. 2020 was a really big year and I think if you haven't taken a moment to sit back and reflect on how it may have impacted you on more than one level, now might be the time. Now that we're a little bit out of the woods and we're a little bit further away from it, recognising that we are still very much dealing with a pandemic but that we have a little bit more space to breathe, give yourself a moment to really think about what 2020 meant for you and for your life and for your life journey so that you don't carry anything residual into this next year and into the years to come. Be kind to yourself, take care of your friends and sit down and have some tough conversations with yourself. I'd love to know what things everyone starts to realise about themselves as they begin to speak with themselves more and begin to set more intentions and goals and what clarity you find from taking on these kinds of activities if you give them a go. And I'm also totally open to hearing from people who think that this is all, you know, a bit much. Um, at the end of it all, though, I guess it's you do you and I'm going to do me. And I think there's real value in this kind of thinking. So I really appreciate everybody listening as always. I apologize again for my voice. It has gotten horrendous towards the end of this. So Thank you for bearing with me, but I just had to articulate what I've been feeling over this last 24 hours today. If you want to become more involved, make sure you join the Get Me Started podcast Facebook community group and follow us on Instagram at Get Me Started. I really want to get this podcast out to more people this year. That's one of my goals. Um, And so I'd appreciate if you could like our Instagram photos, join our group and share the content if you are enjoying listening to the show. I appreciate you all. Have a lovely day, whatever you're doing. And yeah, let me know how you go setting some intentions or goals for yourself for this next year. I'd love to hear more from all of you. See ya.